Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Luke Wyatt. We'll get into Vanderbilt baseball injuries, national seeds, um, just the challenge of covering Vanderbilt sports the last three years and why the fan base has kind of gone on tilt during this downstretch and other things like that. Luke and I kind of go in some unexplored territory and, and get into some other things that maybe you'll find interesting or maybe not. But in any case, with that, here is Wednesday's episode of the Vandy Sports Podcast. It is... Wednesday morning, Vanderbilt was supposed to have played a baseball game with MTSU last night and it did not. It's got a series with Arkansas coming up. Oreo is fired up about this podcast or about something walking on the road outside of our window. But anyway, here we are. Thanks for joining me today. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, it's come down to this. You know, we talked early in the year. We go back, I go back to our first podcast that we did before we played Ole Miss and we were hoping to get two out of three. And as it turned out, we won our first 10 or 11 games. And then we played below, a little bit below 500 cents, but you have to look. And again, I always say this, I am a big picture guy and we're sitting here at 17 and 10. Um, if we get two this weekend, everything that we wanted uh, as far as, where we thought this team might be, or at least I did at the time. I thought 17-13. In fact, that was my prediction. I hope I'm wrong with that. Uh, but if we get two and go 19-11, and 11, I think we're a national seed. And I, I thought 16-14 and 14 might be ambitious before the year, honestly, um, for, for a lot of good reasons. Now, look, some of the teams that they played, the Mississippis weren't that tough. Is it turned out, but South Carolina was better than people thought. Kentucky was way better than people thought. I mean, this yep. was a league that if you looked in the preseason rankings and you see all those SEC teams ranked in the top 10 or top 20 or wherever you want to go with it, you looked at that and you just thought there's just no way because everybody beats up on everybody else. And it just was almost an impossible needle to thread but here we are. If you look at the RPI, you look at the rankings, you look at any measure, you look at computers outside the uh, RPI. We, I don't know if we're allowed to do that anymore. But um, by, by every objective measure, the SEC has been a phenomenal league, and Vanderbilt's had a great season. They have, and, and you know, and you know, we we harp on and we talk about, and that's all you can do is look at the statistics. And we're still second in the league in hitting. We're still third in the league, I think, in ERA, and we still have the best defense in the Southeastern Conference. I will say the defense has not changed through this through it all, which I'm proud of that during these road struggles. And, and let me say this, Chris: there, the road struggles are for everyone. You know, we can we can sit here all day and bemoan how bad we played at Tennessee. We were one pitch away from that being probably a totally different series. Uh, you know, yeah. you're up three one, two outs. Uh, the Alabama loss was two to one. So you flip those two one run games on the road, and we're sitting here not worrying about anything at nineteen and 
eight. So, I mean, you have to look at the the big picture and I, and I know our, I, you know, and our fans are frustrated and that happens, but you know, sometimes I'm on this board and I, I, I look at things and I get, I personally, this is just my opinion and I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but sometimes the negativity on the board, and I know that's what it's for. I get that. But some of the comments about how Corbin can't coach anymore, get fire Baxter and all this stuff, that gets old to me. Now, you know, that's just my opinion. Look, I've gotten so frustrated. It's hard for me to know what to say to people. If you bring up analytics that say, hey, look, this is just a, a computer spitting stuff out. Now, I realize there's nuance, but here's what here's what it says. People get upset you for doing that. Um, I don't know. It's it, <laughs> well <laughs> running, and, running a message board community and and a podcast. Um, how do I say this? Just dealing with some of the subject matter that I've had to deal with for a few years. And like baseball's kind of been like my happy place. That's been like the place I can go and I'm free of controversy. Right. Um free of all the other stuff. And like all of a sudden that's been that's been invaded. Um well, I, I can solve man, there's, there's a lot I could unpack here. Well, I was gonna say I can just solve your problem. You can have a bowling podcast and a golf podcast and you'd be real happy. Yeah, I, I know nothing about those, but it might be better than this. <laughs> <laughs> uh look uh i i just you know and i hate to use an aaron Rodgers thing but relax folks if we get swept this weekend guess what we're still probably a top 16 maybe not but we're still probably that um uh, i'm just looking at worst case scenario for everyone out there we're still going to be in the ncaa for what our 16th or 17th consecutive time which is more than anybody in the entire country assuming Florida State doesn't win their tournament, their ACC tournament. Uh, I don't know what people want. I, I, I said it a couple of podcasts back, Chris. We get spoiled by winning as well as uh, losing can you know, frustrate everybody. Well, if you don't win enough or you don't win the right way, you know, how do you think LSU fans feel? Oh, they my goodness. Two out, two out of three at home by Mississippi State who probably won't be in the SEC tournament. They Last night, they win their game, but they make four errors and look totally disinterested against McNeese. I believe it or not, I watched that game. I don't know what that says about me. I guess I'm sick, but <laughs> I watched the McNeese-LSU game last night, and LSU looked like they didn't want to be there no more than the man in the moon. And I know it didn't mean anything in the big scheme of things. They're going to be a national seed no matter what, but still – I can't imagine. I didn't go on their message board. I go on UT sometimes to look at their stuff. And I know everybody just goes overboard with a loss. You know, it's the end of the world if you lose a game and you're the best team and best coach ever if you win a game. And I, I don't know. I'm just a big picture guy. It's just the way I think. Okay. I, I've always had this hypothetical thing and I think this applies to covering the team and it, it certainly applies to the fan base right now like if, if you see a headline somewhere that says husband killed wife over 
didn't like the way he passed the salt at the table or something like that. Just just going to guess, and I'm making something up for absurdity, that wasn't right. about passing the salt. <laughs> that was about, you know, 5.8 million things that, that precipitated that, quite possibly. And that's kind of my jumping off point with the fan base, is I think what's happened... And I mean, the the last three years have been brutally tough in a lot of ways, right? Um, I think everybody living through COVID and just the politicized times has got everybody on edge to begin with. And then you come to sports and sometimes that's not only not relief, it's it's pouring gasoline on the fire as, as yeah. other things get brought into it. Okay. And, and that's just one component, right? Like I have, I have literally disconnected from all news. Right now, I don't get any newsletters. I don't listen to any podcasts just just because like there's just stuff I don't need in my life right now. Um, And so I think I think everybody right now is is walking in times where you've got to be careful that you're not walking around tilt on tilt as it is. Right. Right. I agree. I, I think I think number two. This has been the refuge for Vanderbilt fans. Like everything else could go wrong. Football could go through a winless season. I I think men's basketball being bad to mediocre for a decade certainly has not helped. And you take that away where that's been a thing that's always kind of been there. And now it's kind of not. Maybe it is depending on your point of view uh, and what two NITs mean. I'm not getting into that today. But you have all these things that come in, and and then you have the, you know, baseball is kind of provided with the way last year ended, especially the way that, that it happened against LSU, where Vanderbilt was on the, the verge of just need to win a couple games and get to struggling LSU team to host. And it, and it just, that was the worst series I ever remember them playing, probably. I was barely out of the hospital at that point, and, and so my... My memory was a little sketchy, and I wasn't even able to watch all of it. But I think that kind of put the fan base a little bit on tilt. And from which point on, you throw in the portal, you throw in all these other things, and like the everybody's safe place now feels threatened. Right. And and I just think it has put people on edge, and put everybody overboard. And and I think a lot of it is panic and. Maybe people presume the worst is a way to protect themselves if it goes bad, which is not a, a really fair spot to put the players and the coaching staff. And, and, and even Vanderbilt baseball has suddenly turned into this place of negativity. Well, and and you're right, Chris, and I, I don't want to take the podcast any certain way. I don't know that we can – I think we can do whatever we want to do with it today, but – I, I think this as well. You know, whenever Vanderbilt is successful in anything and they and, and you try to take it away from them, as much as as much as I hate to admit this, a lot of our fans think, My gosh, we'll never get it back. So in other yeah. words, if Vanderbilt ever dipped in baseball, like South Carolina won there too, and then they dipped. 
I don't, I'm not sure South Carolina fans thought we'll never be good in baseball again. Now they're good in baseball again. Vanderbilt has not had to go through that in the last two decades. We haven't had a swoon. You may have had one bad year, and that bad year would be getting into the tournament. Yeah. Well, that's not that's not a bad year. So I think as a Vanderbilt fan, and then you throw, like you just mentioned, you throw in the NIL, and you throw in the transfer portal, and that seems to be working against private schools and a school like Vanderbilt. Now, I had an interesting conversation with a big donor the other day who feels like it, it, it does not have a negative effect on Vanderbilt, that we weren't getting those kids anyway. Yeah. But I, but I will say this. I do think the portal itself has been a negative for Vanderbilt, not just because it looks like it's been that way in basketball this past season, uh, but I, I just think that kids, for whatever reason, unless you identify, the, uh, identify them to the T, don't value an education like they used to or their parents don't or whoever. And that is a concern to me just nationwide, not just Vanderbilt, Northwestern, Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, the academies. You know, yeah. I think a lot of schools are experiencing that. Well, and, and we, we could take this in another direction. I don't think higher ed does itself a lot of favors with some of the degrees that it's producing right now and some of the prices it is charging. That's a, right. that's a whole other discussion. I do think that threatens to devalue some of what Vanderbilt does too. Um, but yeah, I, I think everybody, and like you've seen it affect me sure. at times, you, you know, God, the, the, the stories that I have of the last two or three years alone that like I, I could never put on podcast or, or I could put on podcast, but like my world going forward would be different. That <laughs> would explain yeah. a lot of what you hear from me. And, and look, you know the stories because if you're going to keep your sanity in this job, sometimes you got to pick up the phone with somebody you trust and just say, you're not going to believe what just happened yeah. or, or what I'm, I'm kind of sitting on as background. I don't know what to do with this. And I'll just, I'll hit this head on. Okay. I got called out this weekend by some people and, and, and they kind of weren't wrong about being short and rude with people and, and talking down to people on the podcast. I don't mean to do that at all. Um, right. I, I hate it when people do that. That is not a part of who I want to be. And I think, and look, you, you know, you know, most of the stuff I've been through just covering the beat. And, 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 and I say that I've been through some of it's personal. Some of it is just, knowing what has really gone on in places and like, how do you, how do you sort of take the part that you can't say and try to paint a picture to where people could understand it, but you can't, you can't use any of the details or most of the details because, uh, you know, for a lot of reasons, like sometimes they are, they're R rated or maybe even almost X rated. Um, sometimes you could use it. There would be no problem, but it would burn a particular individual. Um, yeah, go ahead. ahead. Well, and, and, and here's what happens. Okay. I have been storing up (sighs) 
years years of this stuff that I that I can't really unpack on the podcast for particular reasons. Um, again, some of which I've just kind of pointed you in the direction. Some of which I haven't at all. Um, now I'll, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. Um, it, it become it becomes it becomes very tough sometimes to know what to say. And sometimes you have something in your head, you see stuff on boards um, that like you just want to say to people sometimes, I don't mean to be rude, but if you had any clue of, of, of what you're talking about and how much that contradicts with the truth of what's really going on, you'd feel silly for posting what you just posted. And you can't come out and say that to people, right? Because that's rude. And then it just opens Pandora's box. And, and the way that I have dealt with it sometime has tried to be used to, to use humor with it. And, and, you know, like, Hey, if, if you don't like something you're about to hear, then don't, don't listen anymore. But if you want to know that, then, then here's a little nugget that might point you in that direction. I think that's rubbed people the wrong way. Um, and it, I didn't mean to, but right. it, it's been, I'm, I'm going to say something here. Um, that Mike Rapp told me a, a few years ago that, that really rung true. And, and I try not to be crude or perverse or profane on podcast and I'm not going to be here. Um, but, but I'm about to use a, a phrase that's a little gross and sometimes people are listening with kids in the car and stuff like that. Um, and so with that, I'm going to give you the weekend weather forecast to give people time to, to find the pause button or, or fast forward for a little bit. Um, your weekend weather forecast presented by the weather app Thursday, 40% chance of rain, low of 58, high of 80, um, Friday, low of 63, high of 80, no mention of rain here. Saturday, 70% chance of rain, uh, low of 59, high of 75. All right. Now that we're done with our weather forecast, I'll continue with where I'm going. Um, Mike used phrase to me a few years ago, sometimes you just have to eat the turd, which was just yeah. a perfect phrase. And, and like, that means you, you have to sit and, and take it when people take issue with, with, with what you say. Um, and you kind of stand your ground knowing you're right, but you can't really come out and say it or prove it. And like anybody that's been married, you, <laughs> you know, this intuitively, right? Um, absolutely. So I'm not I'm not saying I'm alone, but there, there's been a whole lot of turd eating the last few years on this beat, and, and that has made it very difficult. Uh, is backdrop, and and I think when baseball has has started to go badly, and I've, I've tried to point people in the direction of of sanity, and hey, here's some stuff that suggests maybe it's not as bad as it looks. And by the way, if they don't get pitching back, spoiler alert, it, it's going to be as bad as it looks. But, um. There's been a whole lot of turd eating, I think, on the beat the last few years. Um, that 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 is kind of a backdrop of all this too. And, and when baseball goes badly, it just it's difficult on fans, and it's difficult on me because that's the one area I could go where kind of you didn't have to carry other baggage into it. If that makes sense. No, it all does. But let let me give my opinion of what. I think fans see and or hear 
for, for, like you mentioned a while ago, people take offense to you making a joking matter out of something. You're joking. Look, look, that, 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 that's, that's all I got left some days, to be honest with you. And that, well, that's well, how but, I cope with stuff. Yeah. But, but listen, here, here's what I'm saying. Yes, you are joking. I know that because I know Chris Lee. A lot of the people on the board don't know you as well as they think they do or should, or should know. So with that being the case, when you're joking, they take it as being condescending instead. That's just taking something the wrong way. But what they don't appreciate about you is you, you try to thread a needle. A lot of people won't bother with trying to thread a needle, with trying to say the right things, with trying to tiptoe. When you know something that you can't say on a podcast and you react to what's been put in front of you and you know it's not the truth, or you know that those folks are misinformed, and, or you know those, that it's a blatant lie, I'll give you a perfect example, Chris. And this is what I went through at Vanderbilt when I was an employee there. When you're employed, when I was an employee, I couldn't say the things that I say now, obviously, or I'd have been fired. But when Rod Dowhower was named our head football coach in 1995, someone who I thought knew everything that I didn't know about football, and I respected them a lot, told me, you will not believe the offensive genius we're bringing in. We're going to turn football on its head. Vanderbilt will become an offensive juggernaut. And they were serious. Two years later, we have the worst offense in Division One, and we have the worst situation that probably for a two-year period Vanderbilt football ever had. Now, that's the type of things you're seeing. And, of course, at the time, I couldn't – argue with this person or, or blatantly say, I'm, look, I'm working in the same building with this guy, and I know we don't have a chance to win football games as long as this guy's here as yeah. a head coach. I couldn't say that. So you're in that same position, and I hope people – I wish people would appreciate it more. And when you say something, it's not like you're just grabbing this out of thin air. No. And I think, and I think that's where the frustration comes from you, and I think the other side of it is – People just don't know you the way they think you do. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville. But he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster, so go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. Yeah, I mean, look, and, and like I'm, I'm not perfect. I get short with people. I get my patients tested. But one, one thing that I've learned, I find that I don't make nearly as many judgments outside of the stuff I know anymore because you just don't know what you don't know. Right. And sometimes there's a lot of people out there talking about stuff that they don't know and they don't know that they don't know it. 
And that's where this has been really, really, really hard to know how to manage. Like, how do you tell people? Because if people say, hey, I, I, I come to your site or I come to your podcast to get things I can't get elsewhere because of your connections, your guests, those things. And, and I value all that. And I try to take that part seriously. But man, and, and, and somebody, somebody made this to me, made this comment to me, like, and again, go, go back. We all have to eat the turd at sometimes, right? That, that's just part of life. I'm, I'm not, I'm not putting myself out there as woe as me. Um, I'm a special circumstance. Nobody else has to deal with it, but it is different when, um, and as you can tell, <laughs> this Oreo is very did. painful for Oreo to, to hear. <laughs> oh my God. He, this dog makes noises that I don't think any other creature on earth makes. And he is probably 20 feet from my microphone with the door half shut. That's how loud this is. Back. You have a snake on the back porch, sounds like. I, I might. Man, if this if this dog could talk, um, and when I get to heaven, that's a question I'm going to ask God is, what was he trying to tell me all these years? I, I wonder what the answers are going to be. I'm just going to let this run its course. If you see Oreo at the pearly gates, that'll be great. Uh, yeah, well, we'll see about that. Um, where was I going before the howling began? I'm not sure, Chris. Honestly, I got distracted by the howling myself. That's that's kind of a, a good picture of, of life these days. Um, I, somebody said to me that's in the publishing business a few years ago, and, and I get it, like, the people that listen to me and read my board are my customers, and I, I completely get that, and I try to respect it, but there are times that it crosses a line. Yeah. And it's like, if you own a restaurant and somebody comes into your restaurant and they step up on the table and they say the owner's poisoning the food, um, go eat at Joe's Diner down the road, it's better. On one hand, I got a customer to deal with, and that's one thing, but it's also, okay, you're attacking my credibility in the restaurant business, and that's an entire other thing. Yep. And and that is that has been the challenge of 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 managing all this. You've got the the whole thing of, and I'll bring this back to full circle to baseball in a minute. Um, you, you've got the challenge of managing that, right? Like how you handle that interaction with, with somebody that's technically your customer is tricky. How you handle that interaction with other customers watching is another dimension. And then how you handle that that thing of, well, is, is, is he my customer or is he really not my customer and he's trying to hurt me? And, and, and look, you, you know some of the stuff that has gone on the last few years um, to the point of where Vanderbilt has got a narrative to protect. And whether that narrative is true or it's not true does not matter. Vanderbilt is always going to protect that narrative is what I've learned. And, and that takes on a lot of forms. That takes on people on message boards. Uh, sometimes that takes the form of people on message boards who have told me one thing on background and will come on 
and post other things that contradict that when it gets too deep. Um, that that is taken on the form of social media. That's taken on the form of okay, we got a story over here, and if if we don't like what's being said over here, we can shout it down um, by by planning something else over here. Um, and and that's just been my life for a while. And and again, everybody goes through difficulties in their job, but that's been one of the challenges of being on the beat. And and where this intersects with baseball, and and I think you feel some of my frustration coming out at times. It's like this is the one thing that I cover, and like everybody's got flaws, everybody's got warts, everybody's got a a worse side. But this is the one thing that I've covered to where the public narrative is as close to the private narrative is is I of anything I've covered, either that or they're just better at hiding it. Um and they're guys I respect, they're kids I respect. I know what you go through if you put on the uniform to play Vanderbilt baseball. I know what you go through if you're going to coach and work at that school and, and the hurdles you've got to do. I, I've, I've known Tim Corbin publicly and privately. I've known Mike Baxter publicly and privately a little bit. I've known guys on that staff. And look, at the end of the day, if they stink, it's my job to call it out. <sighs> but But in a world where there are so many things wrong with college athletics, and with the way things are run, and their track record of what they have produced. And look, I've said this many times. As impressive as the two national titles and the two runners-up are, it's the being there year after year, consistently, that I think is impressive as anything he's done. Florida State, boring winning the ACC tournament, and I think it is a tournament for the first time all year, is not going to make the NCAA tournament. And the moment that happens, Vanderbilt will have the longest streak of NCAA tournaments. Yep. All, all that it. to say, I, I I have tried to be as honest with people as I can be in in my coverage of of everybody. Um. And at a time where I'm like, man, look look around you at what what they've done, even in a rough year, man. I I think today, if you pick the field, if all three games get rained out this weekend, I think there's still a national seed. As hard as that seems to believe. And I just I I look at people going on tilt. I look at the criticisms of of a lot of these guys, and it it, it just it, again my thing on the board is I try to let people have their say. I really do because I think freedom of speech is valuable. And even the guy that you really vehemently disagree with today, for the most part, needs to be heard because there might be something in that that makes you think, that makes you see things a different way, or maybe even changes your mind. I really value free speech. But it has bothered me at times, knowing the way the sausage has been made over there, seeing some of the stuff, some of the grenades that get lobbed at them at times. Yeah. Let, Chris, let me put my bow on this, if you don't mind. I, I read every bit of Vanderbilt content that I can get a hold of. Tennessean, athletic what other podcasts or other people are out there. I won't go in to mention them 
But let me just say this, and for this is for everybody on the board and everybody that watches you on YouTube or, or the podcast on YouTube or whatever, however they do it. It's one of those things, and, and, and you're in the same boat as Tim Corbin when I say this, so stay with me here. You won't realize how good you had it until they're gone. And that includes you, and that includes Tim Corbin. So, folks, just take a step back, relax, enjoy that you've had one of the best products in college athletics in the last two decades across any sport. And just enjoy the games and and enjoy trying to get these kids over the hump or whatever funk they're in right now, if it is a funk, or if it's just a road the way the road was, you know, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not selling them short. I think, you know, and that's my bow on it, but to, to kind of transition into this, the reason they're in the fix they're in is what you and I talked about, Chris, three weeks ago before they headed to Tennessee, we were looking for negatives. The only negative we said was what injuries and what has happened. We now have five injuries, five pitchers who may not, probably won't pitch the rest of this season. Four for sure. Five, you know, we got, we got a, I guess, a 50-50 answer on Hunter Owen. So you take any other team out there, and let's see what's happened if they've lost five guys. Look what happened to Ole Miss. They're defending national champions. They're not going to even go to Hoover. They're going to sniff you, Hoover. They're not even close to it. So we're fighting that battle right now. And everyone says, well, what about the hitting? Look, when you know Carter's not on the mound, or Hunter's not on the mound, and we have to piece it together, what does that do to you mentally as a hitter? You start squeezing the heck out of it. If it was wood, it would be sawdust. And instead of doing the natural things you do at the plate, you try to hit a two-run homer with nobody on base. And that's why the hitting looks the way it does. But Let's give credit was due. Florida's pitcher Caglione pitched the game of his life. That's the best the kid's pitched in his career. And he did. He threw the ball well. I don't think anybody hits him the other day. No, he's when it's working, it's 98, and it's tough to hit. And if, if it's in the strike zone, which it was, which it hasn't been all year, then God help you. So sometimes you have to turn around and give credit to the other team. It's not like we're playing Claremont Mud every day. And when we go on the road, as you see, the road in the SEC is a beast to everybody. Look at Tennessee. Preseason number two in the nation. They're 2-11 and 11 on the road. You get them out of their phone booth, and they are so uncomfortable, they can't even catch the, the baseball, literally. So it's, it, it works. Everybody's got, like you said earlier, everybody's got their warts. We're dealing with it right now. But the good thing is we're going to have an opportunity. We have an opportunity this weekend to right all those wrongs that everyone thinks has happened just because it's happened in the last three of the last four weekends. It's like the sweep of Kentucky never happened in some of the people's eyes. I know. Um, I, I want to back up on a couple of things before I forget, and then, sure. then I want to turn to sure. the discussion to, to pitching and injuries and stuff. And, and I think this explains a, a lot of things, too. Um, and I think – as brutal as the last few years on this beat have been in, in every way you can imagine, and, and some you probably can't, 
it's made me appreciate coaches and the privacy that they have to respect and the things that they have to dance around and the stuff they can't say and the times that they have to sit and look like idiots because that's just part of the job. No, look, they get paid a lot of money to do it, and I get it. But nobody, I don't care how much you make, you don't want to look like a fool. That's not fun. You you couldn't you couldn't write Tim Corbin a $50 million paycheck and and that just erases all the days that he looks like an idiot um, in the public eye. I mean, that that's a bad day no matter what your check is, I think, because everybody's got self-respect and dignity. And just just having to sit on sensitive things and, and not be able to always air the reasons for your decisions is something I can really appreciate. And, and when you're dealing with pitcher arms and injuries, man, you got so many variables. You got um, agents or advisors or whatever. You've got perception of of national media of of scouts of organizations of other recruits you, you remember they got dragged through so much with kumar rocker i don't know what was fair and what wasn't but kumar rocker coincidentally or not got hurt this week and i guarantee you that's going to be brought up in some living room somewhere and so now you got that against the backdrop but you're trying to manage two first round pitchers and their arm health and frankly we don't know most of the details there um we don't know whether they can pitch, whether they can't pitch, um, or, or whether maybe they, they can pitch and, and they feel 98% good about it, but it's the 2% that, boy, if it goes wrong, it, it, it's really bad for a lot of people. Um, you know, there's been questions sometimes. A guy played the day before, got benched the next day. We, we don't know if a kid popped off in the dugout to a coach. I'm not saying anybody did or didn't. I'm not trying to imply anybody about that's been benched lately, but stuff happens. And as, as a coach, sometimes you just have to sit there and you eat the turd yep. and, and look like a fool. And, and I respect him for that because Tim never throws his guys under the bus. Never. Never. And here's another thing, and I, I think people know this. I, I might have told this story. In 2006, this is before all the games were on the radio, I was doing some midweek broadcasting work for them just for for lack of better options, and I was at the ballpark. I got picked. So they had the SEC tournament for basketball. They had nobody to broadcast baseball. This is when you had to listen to baseball broadcasts like over your phone. So like I went to I went to I, I broadcast a lot of games literally sitting there with a phone receiver up to my ear. Uh, which which makes it difficult when you need to shuffle through papers and everything, but that's a different story. And so I got picked. They had nobody else to broadcast a road trip against Ole Miss. This was 06. This was opening weekend of SEC play. Joe Fisher was doing the SEC tournament for basketball. So for, for lack of better options, I, I went with them to Ole Miss, and I went on the bus, and I was not being paid by the team. Um I don't think I was. Um, so there was, you know, that in terms of the conflict of interest issue. But I, I'm not going to go into stories of what I saw on the bus or didn't see. It's like the not like there's a smoking gun or, or you know anything I saw that you know telling it would be out of school. But just out of respect to them, I want the thing that amazed me being around the team that weekend and being on the bus was. 
Tim Corbin had almost supernatural powers to perceive stuff that was going on around him and human dynamics to a degree that I've never seen it in other people. Uh, it, it's something that left a mark on me all weekend. I mean, and, and ever since. And um, I, I just I have, w- without trying to go overboard here, I just have so much respect for the way that he does things, having seen it at so many levels through the years. Well, let me tell my little quick story about that same type of thing. Uh, out in Omaha, I'm 14 and 19. I went both times and talked to the people where they unload and load the buses and that type of thing. People that the kids saw every day. And there's been a lot of teams in Omaha. I had, so I asked them, how are our kids compared to the other kids? Oh my gosh. Why can't we have eight of those every year? That's what makes me proud of Vanderbilt. No one's dropping trash on the ground. No one's cussing in front of kids. No one's doing, I'm not saying they're perfect angels. I'm not, I'm just saying the hotel where they stay, whether they respect what they're doing, the, the, the picture I have in my mind when we won in 2019 is, I forget which player it was. We're one, we've won. Everyone's dashing out on the field to dog pile, whatever. Right after the dog pile, they, they do take a shot in the dugout. And we're picking up, one of the players is picking up trash in the dugout. Yeah, that we was Stephen Scott. Stephen Scott, we just won the national championship. Show me another team that did that. I mean, maybe there was, but I'm just saying that's the stuff I'm proud of and I always will be proud of. But yeah, and, and look, one more thing before we move on. Um, I think people know this. My contract arrivals says you, you're to do this as a journalist, not a fan. Now, look, some people that run team sites, a lot of people take that very seriously, probably more often than not. Uh, most people don't. But that's the way I'm going to do my job. Um, yeah. Is and, and that comes with we're trying to be as, as balanced as you can be. And so... This show probably just sounded in a lot of ways like a big Vanderbilt pep rally, and that's not what I'm meaning it for me to be. If people, I mean, God knows people have heard my criticisms of Vanderbilt and other things. I think they know that's not what I've tried to do. And and I'm careful with that sometimes to the point almost of maybe going too far the other way because of, of perception and, and, and needing to, to make sure that doesn't get out of whack against you another way. But it gets to a point to where when you feel like things are being said that are sometimes are unfair or out of balance or people don't have the big picture, um, if, if you kind of know how things work and your your job really is to try to be as fair and balanced as you can, I feel like maybe if you don't take up for them sometimes in the other direction – when it gets out of whack, uh, maybe in your attempt to try to be fair and balanced by not telling that part of the story, you're not being fair and balanced, if that makes sense. It does. No, it does. Anyway, let, let's move on. Um, we said some time ago, 
and I think you or I are both of us said this. I think it was you and I. It could have been you and I, Chip. And you alluded to this earlier in the show. That really the only thing that mattered going forward is do they stay healthy? If they stay healthy, good things are going to happen. If they don't, this could go a different direction. Well, think they haven't stayed healthy. We have questions about them staying healthy going forward. And, and here we are. And if I still think if they get all their parts back, um, I'm, I'm looking at objective things. I'm, I'm looking at RPIs, other computer rankings. Everything thinks, even with, with the bad of the season that's happened, they are still a top 10 team according to most of those metrics that I that I look at and respect. And, and if they get everybody back, and, and that, by the way, that includes not having some of those guys available, even when the bad has been so bad without those guys, they are still considered a top 10 team. Um, but boy, if they don't have those guys, if they don't have Owen and Holton, um, and, and you mentioned all the stuff with confidence, it's a different situation. And that, that that's really the only question that matters going forward. And, and how do they manage that this weekend? Balancing that line between, man, if we just get one more win, we're probably hosting two weekends, or at least one. But if we don't, um, you know, we may be going on the road some. They play much better at home than they do on the road. The last thing you want is to run into a, a slow pitch softball team in, in a in a bandbox. They've had issues yeah. with those kind of matchups. So that whole balancing act of how do you take all those dynamics with pitcher health, get just enough done this weekend to keep you where you need to be in the postseason. If you can get there, if it's even in play, for all I know, Owen and, and Holton don't throw another pitch again. But I wouldn't want to be him trying to balance all that this weekend. No, because you, every decision is so critical. Now, I will say this. If we don't get them back, then what you're going to have to have uh, is a effort like a Richie Gooden now gave. You have to have someone step up that you didn't, that maybe didn't do anything during the regular season much or that you don't think could – like a David Horn. I'm just throwing his name out there, not to put anything on that kid, but let's just say David Horn winds up starting Friday night uh, or Thursday night and goes out and gives you five innings and he only gives up a run or two. That's what you're going to – you're going to have to have that type of – from somebody that hasn't done it yet. Or you're going to have to have Thomas Schultz get back to his form of last year. Or you're going to have to have Bryce Cunningham quit giving up gopher balls. Grayson Moore, who's looked really good the last two times he's been out there, for him to continue. It's going to have to be names that haven't done much throughout the season to step up for this to continue. Because if not, you're not going to be able to win like we said Vanderbilt could, should and could win games, and that's four to three, five to four. Because they're not going to win games when it's a, when it's a run calendar. When it's 10, you got to score 10 or 11 to win a game. That's not going to happen. It's, that's not who they are. They're pitching in their defense. And they're athletic kids who, when they're swinging the bat and doing things right, they're going to hit gap to gap. They're going to put pressure on you on the base paths, and that's their identity. That's who they are. So we can't expect them to all of a sudden become uh, beer league softball players. That's not the way they're built. That's not the way they're constructed. The way they're constructed has them as the number four team in the SEC at this moment. 
with still a mathematical chance to still win the whole darn thing if we yeah. tweak the spook in. So we're in the position going into the last weekend of the season. It can go 0-3 and we wind up finishing fifth or sixth in the SEC, or we could go 3-0 and wind up winning the thing. So that's how little smallest margin there are. And the injury situation, we talked, like you said, we talked about it. That's the whole key. And it affects the hitting as well as the pitching uh, and the, the way they uh, take their at-bats. And I will say this. I don't want to get back on what fans say and all that. But the criticism of Mike Baxter, I don't get because here's the reason I say that. I don't think Mike Baxter would have made it to Major League Baseball, even though he, his career yeah. he wasn't a great hitter, if he didn't know something about it. He wouldn't – he's not up there telling guys to swing at pitches three feet out of the zone or swing at breaking balls in the dirt. He's not doing that. You think he's teaching that? No. The approach they had in the middle of the season and the first of the SEC season was attack fastballs, hunt fastballs. When a pitcher's doing a great job, sometimes it makes you look bad. We all know that. So hopefully, you know, getting back home, the positivity of that and uh, will get us back on the right track. Well, do you remember the criticism of Ted Williams as a manager? Uh, I don't. There's probably nobody that ever lived where the art of hitting a baseball, and I don't know how much oh. of this is fair, how much of his narrative, but it's it's a good illustration here, I think, to – to play the other end of it out. The criticism of Ted Williams was they thought he wasn't a good manager because baseball came so easy to him. Ted Williams was probably the best hitter who ever lived. Um, You know, his his vision was otherworldly. And so when you experience the art of trying to hit a baseball through that skill set, how you dumb that down or translate that to – more ordinary people. And I guess nobody that plays major league baseball is, is ordinary, but compared to Ted Williams, they were, um, that was always the explanation I heard as to why it didn't work for him. Well, Mike Baxter's a guy who out of high school played his first year at Columbia, not exactly a hotbed of future major league talent transferred to Vanderbilt back before Vanderbilt was, uh, big V Vanderbilt in the sense that it was winning a lot, and, and was a it was a really nice player at Vanderbilt. Uh, did a lot of things. I think taking walks. I think was just an underappreciated hitter when he was here, who got the most out of his ability. Now, look, just yep. because you have a certain trait and skill set and background, does not make you a hitting coach. And I don't know if it does or doesn't. In Mike Baxter's case, I'm just using this as an illustration. But if you take the Ted Williams on one hand. And you take Mike Baxter, on the other hand, he was the opposite. He was a guy that was a grinder, was kind of a career between AAA and the majors guy, and made it work. That a guy that I think coming out of high school or college, I don't think most people looked at it and said, here's a guy that can play you know, parts of four, five, six years, whatever it was in the majors, which Mike Baxter did. Now... The concern, as I hear it, you know, Mike. Mike went to Columbia and went to Vanderbilt. If you ever sat down and talked with Mike, um, very bright guy, and also very nice and humble guy. That's that's why I really like Mike. A lot of guys that have done what Mike has done and are as smart as Mike is, 
there is an air that comes with that that is not present at all when you sit and talk to Mike Baxter, which is one reason I like him. But the criticism is, you know, maybe it gets, and this is theory, maybe it gets a little too cerebral for the kids. I mean, I think when you're up there thinking instead of hitting, and you've seen that at times when you you see fastballs go by, maybe that part's fair. Uh, But you've also seen where they did that the first, what, four weeks of the season, they got that old Miss series and it flipped on a dime. You've also seen an ability of a guy who's been able to turn that around, and that was a much different hitting team for the next six weeks to the point we said on the podcast, like, hey, guys, don't get used to this because it can't last. And and now they're at a point where I know the injuries have been the big driver of the lack of success, but it's also kind of the other thing to where, I don't know, if you take every hit on their lineup right now and you said, what's a – What's the best ninety percent outcome, or you know, worst ten percent, or whatever? Just about everybody in that lineup right now is probably in the bottom twenty-five percent of what they can do. So it's not just been a pitching thing; it's kind of been everything else has kind of gone sideways too, except for the defense. And that also goes for all the all the other pitchers too, or most of them. Right. Yeah. You know, Chris and and, and I, Kevin Seitzer, the Braves hitting coach. I saw an interview with him last night before the Braves played Texas and he was asked, okay, the Braves really struggled in Toronto and their at bats weren't good in his opinion. So he said, he got everybody in said, look, here's our plan. You guys aren't sticking to what I'm telling you to look for on pitchers. In other words, when he, let's say coach, and I'm, I'm comparing this for coach Baxter. Let's say he's telling them, okay, look, this guy's got a nasty slider. We got to recognize it. We got to stay off of it because he doesn't throw it for strikes. Okay, the Braves did that. Now, I know it was a one-game sample size, but they won the game 12 to nothing. And he said it's because we followed the plan. So how do we know that the kids aren't following the plan, that they're going out there again, I think, and not knocking the kids, they're trying to do too much. I really feel that way because they know that right now our pitching situation is in an optimum position. And I feel like that's why there's been struggles. You compound that with good pitching that we faced and a road atmosphere that we faced at Florida and at Alabama to a certain extent. And that's why we're played that way. How many times have we seen this year, Chris, where a team, not just Vanderbilt, goes on the road, gets swept, comes back home and sweeps somebody? A ton. Well, I mean, t- t- Tennessee Tennessee got beat at home by Tennessee Tech and had just been swept the weekend before. Where was Ar- it? They were at Arkansas. Yeah, and, and I mean, and I was doing radio up there, asked to preview that series, and, and those people all thought their season was over. And I said, well, wait a minute, back away from a minute. Let's Let's consider a couple things here. You do have a talented pitching staff. You had this dynamic, you had the schedule, and lo and behold, it has pretty much turned around for them since then. I mean, last year when they lost that LSU series and looked so bad doing it, you know, everybody said the season's over. They couldn't possibly comprehend them going to Oregon State and playing well, and then and then they lose a close game, and and you know, they they darn near they came within one one run of advancing past the number four national seed. And I, I know that's not at the standard for them, but the point is um, 
even with their backs against it last year, where they played probably even worse against LSU than they played in any series this year, on that short turnaround with them up against everything, they managed to flip the page. And one reason is players and coaches just don't process things the way fans do. No. Thank goodness. One thing I want to ask you, Chris, I always ask you a question. How much? How important do you think it's going to be Let's just say for Vanderbilt. Let's say we win only one this weekend. How important is the SEC tournament? What what do they need to do there? Don't get anybody hurt. I mean, so seriously, you one. you win one you win one game this weekend. I think you're still a national seed, or you're really close to it. I think even if they get swept, they're still probably a nat- or not a national seed, but still hosting. Here's here's I'll give you an outcome. Maybe this is your most realistic scenario. There's a lot of rain in the forecast this weekend. Don't know if that's going to turn out or not. But if you can go one and one, and with Futrell throwing, I think against a team that's not a yeah, this is not LSU. LSU or Arkansas is a good offensive team, but it's not a team that's just going to bludgeon you. Not saying they can't right. hit home runs, but it's not it's not some of these other teams in the league that they Middle faced recently that have given them trouble. So I, I think if maybe maybe there's an outcome in there where they go one and one uh and get a game rained out. And I think that gets them I think that gets them hosting two weekends. And I think at that point, probably whatever happens in Hoover is mostly immaterial. And that might mean they are a if they go down there and go oh for two, maybe they're an eight instead of a six. But I don't know, man. I I think if you can if you can if you cannot lose more than you win, I feel like that's a good outcome. Even if you go one for three, I think that might get them pretty close to where they need to be. Well, let's let's do this, Chris, if you don't mind. Right now, going into the weekend, who are your top eight national seeds right now before a game's played this weekend? Okay. Um, not not still in order. Just eight. No, I'll give I'll give them to you in order because I did this exercise yesterday and I've okay. got it up on my SEC pod. I actually went through an entire bracket. Uh, in fact, I'll give I'll give people what I've got projected for Andy. Um, I've got I went in in this order for national seeds: Wake Forest, Arkansas, LSU, Florida, Stanford, West Virginia, Vandy, seven, Duke, eight. And, and I, honest to God, I thought coming into this. I thought that them losing last weekend would probably push them from wherever they were to, to maybe 9, 10, 11, 12. But when, when I look at the numbers, it just didn't. The RPI is 7, so I've got them slot exactly where the RPI is. You look at series wins. I mean, Kentucky and South Carolina are ahead of them in RPI, but they beat both those teams, swept Kentucky. So you, yep. you can't really – both those teams have got worse conference records. Vanderbilt beat both those teams. You look outside the league, um, the other best leagues are the Pac-12, where Stanford's running away with it. Stanford's RPI is below Vandy's. Uh, you, you've got the ACC's got a lot of good teams, but a lot of those teams, even the best teams, are three, four games over five hundred in their league when you get in that spot – Hosting is a little, and being a national seed is a little dicey. There's seven over 500 in the SEC right now. With, with the top eight RPI, uh, I, I think top tw- top 50 RPI wins, they are 
one of the top three or four teams in the country. I'd have to look that one up. I mean, in, in spite of how it looks and how it feels and, and how terrible the product has been on the field, that stuff doesn't really matter. It's the resume that you have booked. And I remember Mississippi State watching them in Hoover two years ago and watching the way they finished the season. They lost a series to Missouri. They were 0-2 in Hoover and I think got run-ruled both games. And you're going, yeah. man, if that's a national seed right now, then I'm I'm the queen of England. But the bracket came out, they were an eight, and you know the rest of the story. Yep, absolutely. It's the whole body of work. It's the big picture. Something I just try to drive home that point every week, and uh, I, I feel really good about this weekend. I think we'll, like you said, get a rain out. We go one and one. If not, I think we, I think we win two. I think we win two out of three, even with our pitching woes. I do. Yeah. Oh, let's see. Mailbag. We have a mailbag yes. to do. Uh, and I okay. combined it this week, so I did some of these questions with Chip. And I will try to see what's left over for you as soon as I can find the mailbag. Any um, Woody Woodenhofer question? <laughs> man, I hope not. <laughs> uh, here we go. It's at the bottom of the page. Okay. Let's see what has not been answered so far. And I think we did most of them Monday. And I will omit part of this question, but I think I'll give you enough to lead you where you want to go. WKU Door. Oh, by the way, the sponsor. We have a sponsor for this, and they probably would like the read they paid for. So let's get to that. Uh, the mailbag, as always... Is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call. That number 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Okay, WKU Door. How long does a pre-series bad inspection process take? It is so time-consuming that they can't do it before. Is it so time-consuming that they can't do it before each game? They do it before each game. I understand now. I thought they just do it before the weekend. No, I, I've been told that they do it before every game. Okay. So now we, we need to get that clarified, but I was told this by a kid who uh, was a manager at one of the other Southeastern Conference schools. So there's that. Allegedly, they are checking these stickers before players step to the plate. I, I'm not completely sure that's happening or there's, there was supposed to be in the protocol, but I mean, I still think the back doors that people used last year are still wide open. Is that a fair way to say it? Uh, let me just say this. Cheater's going to cheat. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's not name names here, by the way. I'm not but saying you can, you can go, you can go where you want. I'm being a good boy. <laughs> right. All right, we'll just leave it there. Yeah, okay. Um, Chester Copperpot, let's see. What changed aside from the level of competition from first half to the second half? Lost three or four series and has not been overly competitive in them. And do you get the sense that Mike Baxter is on the hot seat? Uh, second uh, part of the question, no. First part of the question, the road, the road, the road. That's the reason. 
Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's it. That and of course the injuries, the, the, you know, everything kind of turned on a dime whenever the Carter holes and things started and then Hunter Owen, uh, and then Ducanet's not by being able to come back. So you, all those things combined that affects midweek that affects everything. So affect, excuse me, affected everything. So, yeah. You know, the, the weird thing, too, is just when it seems like nobody wins on the road, Mississippi State going to LSU and, and taking two or three after losing the first one, to me, is... Crazy. Well, it's not it's not inexplicable because LSU's pitching was a complete disaster, but, you know, it's, there was, well, was also a disaster in the other dugout, too. That, that was just was something else. McNeese last night, again, I watched that game. They lost 7-4, to 7-5. But McNeese was ripping the ball. They hit a lot of line drives at them. They hit a lot of Adam balls, or they could have scored eight or nine runs. Yeah. By the way, uh, did you see Tennessee's box score from Sunday? The 10 to nothing game? I watched part of it. Uh, yeah. I didn't see the score, though, no. Do you know how many guys Tennessee had on base? Not many. No, no I, believe a, it was, I believe it was 18. Like, yeah, if, if people are frustrated with Vanderbilt not hitting with runners on, leaving 18 men on base and not scoring a run, that that has got to be at, at the very near the top of the list of almost statistical impossibilities. You're exactly right. You know what? It's funny you said that. In that ballpark, too, you have to add that to it. Right. I mean, right. just my goodness. And Kentucky, who had only hit how many home runs? They were last in the league in home runs going into that series, and they hit, what, eight or nine home runs that weekend. Yeah. Hit five on Sunday in the 10 to nothing game. Yeah. Uh, well, and the point here would be, yeah, there is, there's bad play. And there's, there's no doubt they're playing horrible baseball right now. I'm not going to sugarcoat any of that. But there's also just a, other layers to baseball that don't exist in other sports. Uh, and and there's a couple of things right there. Yeah, and and you know you you and Chip talked about one thing that I didn't notice. Maybe you guys did about bad body language. I I don't see that. I mean, I, I don't think you should, you're going to have good body language when you're having no success. I mean, I just think that's a. I didn't see any negativity. I I, I did like. Let me tell you what I did like. I like the Enrique Bradfield reaction on the strike call. I don't know if y'all talked about that. But that's so unlike Enrique. And that tells me, okay, he's frustrated. Yeah. It was a bad call, whatever. But he's frustrated. And I think that kind of can, is an underlying current to where, okay, if Enrique's going to do that, we got to get our butt in gear. Now, it didn't happen that, that game, but that's something that you carry forward, I think. And I, I feel I like was, that that's. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, you, you no, finish, you please. No, I was just going to say that. Stuff like that may not pay you a dividend in that game or that weekend, but moving forward, the guys see that and they know, okay, here's one of the leaders on the team. He's frustrated too. He's not, no one likes to lose. No one likes to look bad and play bad. We got to get our butt in gear, whatever it takes. Okay. So what if so-and-so isn't pitching? So I think that mindset, and I think it was a great thing that we didn't play last night, by the way. Oh yeah, okay. me too. Well, hey, look, th- them them canceling that game, like I- I've been to Hawkins Field 
where where the ark pulled up in in the right field corner and, and the animals were were onboarding and all that and they played baseball um when when they cancel a game before a drop has fallen uh let, let's call that what that is uh that that was using that as is cover and by the way that also spared you maybe a minute um, hit in the RPI. Like if they lose that game, they certainly would have taken a little bit of a hit. If they, even if they win that game, they might have taken a little bit of a hit. You yeah. saw, I think, six SEC games. Was it were rained out yesterday? I don't know how many of those were. It was legitimately raining and they couldn't play. But I do know last year, Texas A and M canceled a game with somebody, and they just they just came out and said it. They said we're we're trying to to get a host spot here. Sure. Uh, and, and and we're worried about our RPI and, and they canceled. And, and that's one thing, you know, when, when we talk about the net versus the RPI, that's why I like the net better than the RPI, because at least if you play that game and, and you win it like you should win it, you don't you don't get hit at all uh, in the RPI. If you just play that game, you win it 20 to nothing. You take the hit for playing the game the way the system is structured. Correct. Um, so yeah, that you were starting to see schools do that. And you know what? I don't, I don't judge anybody. That's probably not fair to the team in the other dugout, but at the same time, you got a lot riding on the postseason. Uh, being at home, being on the road might mean whether you get to Omaha and have a chance to win the national title or not. And I, I wonder how many times that happened yesterday for reasons of pitching or RPI or whatever. Oh, I think it happened a lot. I, I, I will say this to you. If, 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 uh, if we would have played the game, you, you probably would lose two guys that you might not be able to throw this, this coming weekend. And with right. all our injuries right now, the way I count it, we only have 12 for sure healthy arms. That's the way I count. I may be off one. Yeah. I think we have 12 of our 17 guys on the roster that can throw. So that being the case, if you burn two, then you're down to 10 for a three game, the most important series of the year. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you might have burned more than two. And, and God forbid, what if you go to 15 innings or something crazy like that? Oh, like the, uh, have an Evansville game or something, yeah. Right, yeah. that. <laughs> I, th- I think we all know what that was, uh, but I can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, Tim Corbin might have just gotten up and prayed for the chance of rain. Uh, I, I wouldn't have judged him for doing so. Yeah, it, listen, I think only three teams wound up playing last night. Tennessee, Belmont. Yeah. LSU, McNeese, and uh, South Carolina got beat by Charlotte. So yeah, there's that. That had to hurt them. Put a little ding on them too. Yeah, Charlotte's not awful. Charlotte's I think 70s in the RPI, so that that might hurt a little bit. But it's not. Yeah. Right. It's not anything that's probably going to cost them maybe more than one one seed if if that right. at all. But yeah, you said something about body language a minute ago. I meant to circle back to Joe Healy said something the other day on the D1 podcast I thought was good. And I, I don't remember who he was talking about. Oh, he was he was talking about uh, Mississippi State's, I think, winning at LSU. And and he talks about a lot of times you, you, you tend to bury a team. You know, well, you know, they, they played, the body language wasn't good, blah, blah, blah. He said, you know, when you're getting beat and you're not playing well, nobody's body language is great. That's right. It's not. Yeah. So... Yeah, I thought that was maybe maybe that explains a little more than than sometimes we yeah, think me, it does. Sometimes to, to me, worrying worrying about stuff like that, I'd be worried if they're loafing after a fly ball, yeah, or you know something like that. Now then, then you have problems, right? Right. 
Well, we have um, we've hit a lot more than I thought we'd hit today. Hope that wasn't we too wore long, out our, but, I think we wore out our welcome today, Chris. <laughs> well, we either did or we didn't. Um, <laughs> I mean, I I got I got a few things off my chest that I've kind of been carrying around for a while. Likely so. Well, look, life is not fair. I get that. Um, but when it's when it's affecting your business, um, and I don't know. Some, sometimes people need to know the place that you're coming from. Yeah, and let's leave it at that. Yeah, let's leave it at that. Well, hey, thank you for joining us. Uh, we will have something to talk about this time next week. Um, and and looking forward to doing it with you. Um, you're you're one of the best and most appreciated guests we have ever had on the podcast. And and thank you for spending a good chunk of time with us today. I always enjoy it, Chris, and I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. He's Luke Wyatt. I'm Chris Lee. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at vandysports.com. Follow me at chrislee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.